people who know that we put a, a title of a sermon will be wondering what kind of t- sermon title Church Motto 2018 is. Uh, but people who have been here many years will know that uh, it's our tradition in the church to pray about a text that we believe is a text we want to share with our uh, thousands of people on our mailing list and the people who visit the website. Uh, and uh, the motto this year, as you've probably seen it, and if not, grab some as you leave, there are plenty. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. It's our motto for this year, and we thought and prayed over it like every other year. Uh, particularly because it's not the usual type of motto. Uh, Some people have contacted me and said, uh, well, one of my good friends, I won't name them here, but they're a Methodist minister, so you can expect anything. Um, One of them uh, contacted me and said, thank you for your motto. I've now decided whether it's an overdose or slitting my wrists. But more than that, he was joking, by the way, um, but more than that, Uh, have been the people who have written back specifically and said something like, this is the word in season for my view of myself and my understanding of the world at this point. I think uh, we've watched more telly than we probably normally do over Christmas. I've been blown away by some of the adverts. Some of the adverts are better than the TV programs, aren't they? Uh, But that one, I remember the first time I saw it, the one where the father and son are just sat on a settee watching television and just watching the news headlines from Syria. And the more the news headlines goes, the little boy just leans forward and looks at the screen and the father just puts his arm around him. It sums up for many of us an attitude to a new year the fragility of so many important things. The continuing awareness of the awfulness of life for so many human beings. The apparent increase in our awareness of a nuclear threat. The challenging longer term prospects for our children and our grandchildren. The seeming Volatility, that's a polite word given this week, the seeming volatility of world leaders who hold enormous power and the fragility of multiple world contexts. So it doesn't surprise me that a word in season for some people is to hear Jesus say, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And we notice the context in which Jesus says this, that he has been with his disciples, that he is going to leave his disciples, and they're going to think that all things are lost. But in the end of the day, just when everything seems finished and he's laid in the ground, God will perform a miracle that turns round the world. And he says to them, keep heart, keep courage. I've overcome the world. Uh, I want to give a word of testimony 
do that from time to time. If some of you have heard something like this before or a, a part of it, I make no apologies. Testimonies are given to be repeated. But when I arrived home in 2001 from the Methodist Conference, I have to say that the Methodist Conference didn't always have this effect upon me, but when I arrived home from the conference in 2001, within six hours I was in hospital, where I stayed for six days. It was a long week diagnosing a set of diffuse problems that in the end uh, diagnosed that I had a genetic blood condition, which I, of course, being genetic, I live with to this day and is carefully managed and is usually the least of my worries. But I didn't know that then. Then all I knew was that the following day I was to have a liver biopsy and a kidney biopsy. Then I'd been in hospital two days and probably slept about four hours in an open ward that resembled Beirut. Some of you will know that kind of feeling. And I was feeling very fragile. Had I a future? Is my ministry over? 2001, that's a long time ago. Helen had come to visit me in the evening visiting hours. And at just turned eight o'clock, the nurses giving you a few minutes grace, kicked everybody out. And I was a little bit weepy. And Helen said, look, you need some sleep. Say your prayers, turn over, and even though it's only turned eight o'clock, try and get some sleep for tomorrow. And as I turned over on the bed, and we'll put the slide up here, as I turned over on the bed, I looked at the wall where there had been in this ward, certainly all the time I was there, but looking at it probably for the last 40 years, there was a clock. It was something like this clock. It was all in one piece rather than two blocks. But the clock had the time, hours and minutes at the top, and that worked. And then underneath, there was the day and the month that it was supposed to tell, and that didn't work uh, because it was July. And I'd looked at this clock a number of times, and in my belligerentness, in hospital, you know, few people are at their best in hospital. I'd looked at it and said, they can't even get a clock that works. And then as I lay sideways, looking at this clock sideways, it suddenly hit me. The hour, the minute, the day, and the month. And I immediately thought of a very early Methodist who on the 24th day of the fifth month, about a quarter before nine, went to a house in Aldersgate Street, London and had a heartwarming experience. Now I've preached about this before and I'm telling you that it is a conversion of sorts but it certainly wasn't John Wesley's first conversion. Wesley himself tells you the import of the Aldersgate Day experience. He says, and an assurance was given me. So there I was, lying in bed, wondering what the future held, and just suddenly became aware in that hospital bed that God held me.
the lesson, God's faithfulness, God's saving power, God's careful keeping can be relied upon. Our God is a faithful covenant keeping God. The assurance, the assurance is not that everything will always be all right. The voice didn't say to me in the hospital ward, oh, and by the way, the biopsies tomorrow will all be clear. The voice said, I'm holding you. It's not that no suffering will ever come, not that the pain will never pierce your heart, not that you'll never taste physical death. I can guarantee that for us all. The assurance was not that all the tests will be clear. It was, I will walk through the valley with you. And my rod and my staff will be your strength. It was, in the words of the covenant service, you are mine and I am yours. It was an assurance given me dramatically on that occasion and never as dramatically since. But it's offered to us all because in those acute moments you catch a glimpse with crystal clarity of how God is actually all the time. And even when we don't feel it, and even when we're not in a time of such extremists, the miracle of the clock and the any other kind of confirming sign is nowhere to be seen. The promise remains true. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble. But take courage, I have overcome the world. And for those of us for whom this is a word in season, at the beginning of 2018, receive the promise. God is faithful. But some of us are actually really looking forward to this year. It's filled with promise. Perhaps we're expecting a baby. Perhaps we're hoping for a baby. Perhaps it's a promotion at work. Perhaps it's a change of life for the better. Perhaps you put something in train three years ago and in 2018 this thing is going to happen. We plan to marry. It's a special year of celebration. You look in the diary and already there are certain things there for whenever. And you sort of think, I'm really looking forward to that. John Wesley periodically gave what he called directions for the covenant. I don't know whether you knew that. He did it about four times throughout his life. He did it first of all in the 1850s and the last time he did it was in 1780. Which was quite late in his life. He was in his 70s by 1780. And in the 1780 directions to the covenant where effectively he says to Methodists, here are the thoughts and prayers that should fill your devotions as you approach saying the covenant prayer, as you approach the Lord's table in this special occasion. He opens the directions to the covenant with these words. 
adventure yourselves with him. And I remember the first time I read that and thought, what an odd invitation to a covenant service. Adventure yourselves with him. I wonder how many of us think of our faith journey as adventure. I mean, we tend to think of adventure as Star Trek or Jules Verne, or it's filming the blue planet, or it's setting off round the world with your, with your backpack. It's beginning a new career. It's a new start. Do, do we think of our walk with Christ as an adventure? And yet, at the end of John's Gospel, several chapters after I have overcome the world, John says, but I've written all these things for you so that you might have life and life in all its fullness. Not boring routine mundanity or more of the same or ho-hum coming to communion or yawningly reciting a covenant prayer, but a life and a faith of holy risk-taking of reliance on God's promise, of trusting not in our own strength but in the strength God gives us to set about the roles and the tasks and the new things that God is giving us. And some of us need to approach the covenant as God's big yes to what's been going on in our lives. A yes to that little nag about that choice. God's promise of faithfulness, if you like, as we set off on a spiritual safari. Adventure yourselves with him. Take courage, said Jesus. I've overcome the world. John Wesley also reminded the Methodists in 1780 of two other things, and I pass on briefly and as I move to a close, what they are. Remember, he said to the the, uh, Methodists in 1780, as you approach this covenant, that things eternal are more important than things temporal. In other words, our spiritual life, our life of faith, is actually more important than we generally tend to think it is. Today, spirituality is in, but generally only of a certain kind. It's a spirituality which is more like therapy. Spirituality is designed to make me feel better. It's like a spiritual version of what our youngest son has started doing in 2018, and that's suddenly making use of his £60 a month gym card. Or we're like folk who go to the doctors because we're feeling under the weather, and we're prescribed a a course of tablets, and we begin to take them, and after four days, do you know, we really start to feel a bit better, so we bin the last six days and say, I'm not taking those. And a week later, we're right back where we started. And we look on the packet and it says the whole course must be taken. 
So it is, says Wesley, with our relation to the Lord. At covenant, you mark a lifestyle, not the start of a 10-day prescription. We think saying our prayers is important because it makes us feel good or feel assured or sometimes is a source of blessing. John Wesley said saying your prayers was the difference between life and death. What he was really saying here is, have we got our relationship with heaven and earth right? Things spiritual, eternal, and things temporal. Are we a people of earth who just have a, a kind of reserve insurance policy, which is about turning up at church and believing in heaven, sort of tacked on over here, to be used in emergencies. Whereas in fact what John Wesley was saying was, know that to entrust yourself to God is never misplaced. That to believe, though we love much in the world and we love many in the world, and that's understandable and right, that at the end of everything, when everything's laid bare, when all this froth, this awful froth of human history is seen to be what it is. God's reign and God's kingdom remain. That in the end, we are creatures of heaven rather than on earth. That we are his, we have been bought with a price. We are not our own. That's what the covenant service is simply reminding us. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote about earth and heaven and hell. He said this, I think earth, if chosen instead of heaven, will turn out to have been all along only a region in hell. And earth, if put second to heaven, to have been from the very beginning a part of heaven itself. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. And lastly, Wesley reminded them that though we may be in despair as we come to the covenant service, and even the instruction that we take our spiritual lives more seriously than ever, doesn't help us, it pushes us nearer to despair. He makes that point. Despair of the world, despair of ourselves, despair because we can't break free from those things that we think continue to separate us from God and cause God to look down on us. When all that's true, Wesley said, know that you cannot break free from the grace of God which embraces you. When I was reading these directions for the covenant in the last few days, and I haven't read them for many years, that word embraces really struck me. The faithful <coughs> covenant-keeping God puts a brace around us. Now, I don't know whether you noticed, because I've not worn it this morning, but <clears throat> I've had to take to wearing 
a bit of a brace round one ankle and leg myself recently. So I can tell you what a brace is. It holds you up. Or it's like being lashed to the mast when you're watching Moby Dick or another film and the storm's coming and you fear that you'll be washed clean over the side and the captain says to you, lash yourselves to the masts so that when your strength would be inadequate, you are held. When you're lashed to the mast, all you have to do in the covenant service is promise not to undo the rope. And then, as now, we are bid to make the covenant and seal it with bread and wine. And we will find this morning Miraculously, though, some of us will, won't know the miracle till one month or four months or six months or eight months. That it is enough. Enough for the journey, enough strength for living, enough grace upon grace. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And this will be enough for us this year of our Lord, 2018. Amen.